Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. There are people I will introduce later, so don't worry. Praise Amen. God. God bless you. Thank you. Praise God. Can we lift our hands to Jesus and honor Him and thank Him for His goodness? Lord, we thank You. We stand in awe of Your holy name. We thank You for Your mighty works. You know, sometimes when we get into the presence of God, just take it low a little bit, take it low. When we get into the presence of God, we can get so familiar with the routine and we can get so familiar with the words and and meetings but I believe that every meeting has his own uniqueness from the Lord and what God wants to do Lord we stand in awe of your holy name is there anyone here very quickly with pains around this region just right here just right here anyone anyone here with pains put your hand there just pains okay just come let's get the pains out first quickly Come quickly, come. Anybody with pains right here? Anybody? Come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You have pains? Okay. Can you feel it now? As I'm talking, you can feel it. Okay. In Jesus' name, we ask that the pains will leave. In Jesus' name. All right. Check it. Is it still there? It's gone. All right. Okay. In Jesus' name, we ask that the pains will leave. In the mighty name of Jesus. Take your hands off. Check it. Huh? Is, is there a little? You still feel it a little? Well, let's take it out completely. Father, in Jesus' name, let the pains go. Alright, check it out. How is it? It's gone? Amen. Praise God. Where? Okay, in Jesus' name, the pains leave. Check it. It's gone? Alright, praise God. Father, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your honor. Blessed be your name forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Praise God. Let's have a seat. It's such a joy to be here. And... uh, I was telling Pastor Jerry while he was trying to read those long things that he should just tell them um, I'm his friend and his brother. That would be fine. Um, I don't particularly consider myself a guest minister here. Um, I think this is family for me. Amen. And, um, and I'm so, so... Um, I wouldn't use the word proud of what Pastor Jerry is doing, I would say that I am inspired um, by what he's doing. His level of excellence, his commitment to integrity is such a blessing. And uh, First Lady Eunice, uh, I'm like you. We don't like to show all this, but we have a, you have a husband and I have a friend who will put us all over the world. I've told all my friends to check his wall for my pictures. Uh, if, you, if you have any picture that is missing, check Pastor Jerry's wall. You'll find it. <laughs> Amen. But thank you so much for the awesome support. And I think um, 
Disciple Nations Church has a very fantastic workforce. Very fantastic workforce. Uh, Pastor Samuel, Percy, and the rest of the guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And all the pastors that are here, Reverend Samba, thank you. Uh, this is not because I don't know what to preach. Don't worry. It's okay. But uh, uh, this is family for me. So uh, thank you so much, sir, for your your awesome, awesome encouragement and all the pastors that are here. Can we get into the word? I'm hearing a driving sound. Can we put off? Could you put off your keyboard or something? It's outside. Okay. All right. Let, let's get into the word. Do you guys have your Bibles? Well, go, grab your Bibles. Go sit, sit right there. Don't worry. Just, everybody just sit there. Amen. Thank you. We won't, we won't need instruments. We'll be fine. Thank you, Lord. Because if you're here, I'll be tempted to look at you. So that's why. Praise God. You know, this is my house. I can ask you to go and sit anywhere. And I'll still be invited back next year. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, this, this, uh, this, this meeting is very interesting because... And I particularly, I mean, I've been coming to preach in the last three years, but I particularly love the theme of this meeting because it's very educational. Many times in our Christian faith, we always come to the presence of God to get something, to receive from Him. But you must understand that, first of all, God is a God who seeks to be known. Not just to give. The very nature of God is a giving nature. So there is the rain that falls on the just and the unjust. That explains why people who are not born again are rich. It's the mercy of God. It's the grace of God. There are principles on the earth that if a man would apply himself to those principles, whether he knows God or not, he would prosper. That is the generosity of the creativeness of God. But when a man becomes born again, God expects him to renew his mind not to see God from just the perspective of creator, but to see God from the perspective of a father. Now what that does is that you begin to change your relationship with God, not just a transactional relationship, but an understanding relationship. Because what every father desires is to be known and understood by his children. Having said that, we would now understand, for instance, that if we go to Luke, now I'll read a lot of scriptures. I will read a lot of scriptures. So, so be ready for that. Luke chapter 24, I'll show you something. Luke 24. And uh, let's go to verse. I use the New American Standard Bible just in case we, we want to use that. Okay, let's go to Luke 24 and verse 44. Um, verse 44. Now you remember, this was the road to Emmaus. And he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things, pay attention to that, which are written about me, Jesus speaking, 
in the law of Moses. That's the, the law of Moses here would reference the five books of Moses. And the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, if you, if you see this carefully, you would understand that one of the reasons that Jesus talked about this very carefully was the fact that all of these were written about him. Now he says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, they were talking about Jesus, but they did not understand the scriptures. So Jesus had to open their mind. And the opening of mind comes by explanation of scriptures. An explanation of scriptures is not explaining scriptures to our own benefit. It's explaining scriptures to show us who Jesus is. Now you must remember when, when Luke writes this account, there was no Luke. There was no book of Luke. Right? So what he was trying to tell them is that by reading the Psalms, by reading the prophets, and by reading the laws, what would happen is that a man should be able to get an understanding of Jesus. Are you still here? What that means is that the scriptures were primarily given to understand God. Now follow me now. So, having said that, it means that there are certain concepts that in Christianity we throw around but we really do not understand. So, one of those words is church. Okay? Then another of those words is kingdom. We'll talk about kingdom on Sunday evening. And then another word is heaven. Okay? Now, it's amazing that sometimes we can look at these three words and some people might not really be able to separate these three words. So I'll give you an example. I'll, I, can ask, I can ask someone. It's there's difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the Son of God and the kingdom of the Son of His love. Are, the, are these four kingdoms or one kingdom different expressions to give us a different understanding of the same thing? Or we can say, is heaven a place? Is it a realm? What's heaven? How come Jesus says in John chapter 3, no one has ever ascended to heaven except the Son of Man who is in heaven. He uses the word, no one has ascended to heaven except the Son of Man who is in heaven, but he was on the earth talking to Nicodemus. So where is heaven? So what's the church? Is the church the building? Because if the church is the building, then what happens to the church that meets in the nightclub? What happens on Friday nights? And then what happens on Sunday morning? Is it the day that makes it holy or the people that makes it holy? Now, can we say there is a church without a pastor? Does the scripture, does the scripture give us the audacity to gather ourselves together and just decide to say, well, I don't like that church anymore. I can go and start my church. And these are concepts we need to not just, we don't, we don't, we don't, things don't need to evolve. Things are already stated in scriptures. So I'm, I'm hoping tonight I'll be able to 
finish what I have to teach. Um, so I'll talk about the origin of the church. Then I'll talk about the universal church. Then I'll talk about the local church. Then I'll talk about the leadership of the local church. Okay? So that means you have to be fast. Because I'll be fast. Matthew sixteen seventeen. Are you still here? Say amen if you are. Alright. Matthew sixteen seventeen. Jesus, verse 13, Jesus um, uses the word church for the first time in Matthew chapter 16. And the word church is ecclesia. The word ecclesia in the Greek ek, E-K, means out. Ecclesia means to call out. So, it was more like a called out assembly of people. Now, the word church in the Greek, um, the Greek scenario wasn't just used for a pastor preaching. It was used for any assembly. So any gathering of people, any assembly of people for a specific purpose was called an ecclesia. Now, we must understand something that when Jesus spoke, and, and, and that's one of the um, challenges we have in the 21st century church, we always read the Bible with an English mindset. And it's, it's absolutely wrong. The Bible was never written with an English mindset. It was written with a cultural setting. And so, if we really want to understand the implications of certain statements, we have to have an idea of the culture. For instance... If you are describing something in Cape Coast to me, and I've never been to Cape Coast, what happens is that I superimpose my interpretation on that thing. Are, are you following this? But if, I've, but if there's somebody from Cape Coast here, and you, you, you talk about that thing, what happens is that the person understands what you are saying exactly. So when Jesus actually used the word church, the apostles did not have a picture of what we have now. They understood very perfectly what Jesus was saying. How does this matter to us? It matters to us because this will influence our understanding of the kingdom. Why is it that the disciples were so big on Jesus and the kingdom? Why is it that all the messages Jesus preached, I'll show you on Sunday, were on the kingdom? Why was it that his parables were about the kingdom? What was big in the heart of God about the kingdom? Because the whole of Israel was waiting for the kingdom. They understood what it means when God talks about the kingdom. Are you following this now? So let's look at this now. Verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, or you must observe that now, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Observe the word. Pay attention to details. The Son of Man. Okay. And they said, some say, John the Baptist. Others said, Elijah. But others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? So the son of man there is him. Okay. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered. Look at what Simon said. Three words. You are the Christ. Definite article. The son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son 
of the living God. Now, when, when, when Peter uses the word the Christ there, when Peter uses the word the Christ there, he was referring to the fact that the Son of Man is the Messiah. Matthew chapter 1 verse 16. Because the word Christ there is the anointed one and his anointing which signifies that it was the Messiah. Because for them, who they were waiting for was no other than the Messiah. And then they did not have a framework for understanding the Messiah except they read in the law the prophets and the Psalms and from there, they can now pick who is the Messiah. Because many people will come and say that they are the Messiah. So they've had series of people coming. And series of people coming. And so they have to be able to identify by scriptures. That's why they have to know scriptures. They were not to identify the Messiah by signs. They were not to identify the Messiah by the accuracy of prophecy. They were to identify the Messiah by the fulfillment of scriptures. So you have to find the scriptures that indicates the Messiahship of Christ and check if this one is fulfilling that scripture for you to be able to know that this is the Messiah. So the Messiah is not by sensory observation but by careful understanding of the scriptures. So why is it today that the church is carried away by false prophets? It's because we have thrown away the understanding of scriptures so the average believer cannot sit down and say, you know what, this is false. Just throw some money, get some accurate prophecy, make some people fall down, and the whole world will come after you. Because we throw our brains away when we walk through the doors. And we have a lot of poverty-induced preaching. That always makes you feel you're not enough. But let's leave that for another day. We're still in Matthew 16, right? And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal. The word reveal there is apocalypse, to uncover, right? This to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter. Petros, small rock. And upon this rock, Petra, Jesus did not say he will build his church on Peter. Peter is not the first pope. Peter was married. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And you know, when the Bible put it there that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, we thought it was on unnecessary details until we grow up and somebody would say Peter was the first pope. Well, the first pope got married. <laughs> and upon this rock, not upon Peter, but upon the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because Ephesians 2.16 tells us that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone in the building in those days was used to determine the plumb line. What Jesus was trying to say is, 
through the instrumentality of the prophets and the apostles, I'm going to bring a revelation of Jesus, but the accuracy of the building as wise master builders will be determined by the chief cornerstone who is Jesus. So I don't look at the apostle, I don't look at the prophet, I look at the cornerstone. And I use the cornerstone as a measurement of the apostles and the prophets because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So that means I look at Christ to look at Paul. Not look at Paul to look at Christ. That's a wrong view. And what we have so much in the body of Christ is people looking at the pastors to look at God. That is a wrong view. You will get the wrong measurement. You look at the chief cornerstone and the chief cornerstone gives you the framework for the apostles and the prophets because they are false apostles and they are false prophets. You understand this now? Now, so the Bible says, Upon this rock I'll build my church. They understood what Jesus was saying. That Jesus was saying that upon the revelation of Christ, the Son of the living God, a group of people were going to be called out that will now serve as His voice. So they all see they didn't have the mind of clapping and singing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's good, but they, they didn't have the mind of buying chairs and microphone. That is why when they now buy the color of microphone you don't like, you now leave the church. Do you understand what I'm saying now? That, because <laughs> that was not their problem. They understood that what Jesus was saying, and that's why Jesus was crucified. Why the Romans and the Jews could not to crucify Jesus because what Jesus was bringing a concept that. That, that interferes with the sovereignty of Rome. This is not small thing. This is not small discussion. When he says, I'll build my church, it wasn't just a small talk. Jesus was actually saying that I'm going to be responsible. It's like this. Let me give you an example. I know you have the members of the parliament. Right? Now, the members of the parliament are Ghanaians. Of course, so if you are not a Ghanaian, you cannot be a member of the parliament. But the member of the parliament is selected from among the people and taken to the house of the parliament. Now, they now make laws that govern you. Okay? But in this sense now, we are selected to become the ecclesia of God and we are released back into society to disseminate the kingdom of God and cause it to spread. What that means actually is that there is another kingdom operating in this kingdom. Which if every sovereign king is aware of becomes detrimental because it is almost saying that two parallel kingdoms are running at the same time. That's why a believer is in the world but not of the world because the governing principles of a believer is directly impacted by the kingdom he submitted to. So when there is a clash between an earthly kingdom and a spiritual kingdom, you would pick your spiritual kingdom because when you become born again, your primary allegiance is to the kingdom of God. So the apostles will say, who do we obey, the Lord or man? Because there were two parallel kingdoms. And that is why they were persecuted because they have absolute allegiance 
to the kingdom of God. That if something crosses the line of the kingdom, they will pick the kingdom. They will not even bat an eyelid about it. Are you following this now? So he says, I will build my church. Now, he uses a phrase there. Not sure I can go halfway into what I need to teach. But he uses a phrase there, right? He says, the gates of hell will not prevail. Now you know what? We take that all the time to pray. Oh God, we pray that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. You know what? (laughs) That's past tense. It's not a prayer for you today. Because the gates of hell did not stop the church. So he cannot stop the church today. But this is the understanding. The phrase, the gates of hell, was a Semitic uh, um, expression. And it was based on the culture of their day. What the culture says is that when a man dies, if you read some translation, it says the gates of Hades. When a man dies, he goes into Hades. And the gates are shut. So the man cannot come back. So, therefore, very carefully, the man cannot resurrect. So what Jesus was teaching the disciples is that, listen, I'm going to, the fact that I'm the Messiah, I'm going to die. And I will resurrect. And the res, my resurrection is what is going to birth and build the church. So the church is going to become a product of my resurrection. What that means is when I go into the grave, after three days, the gates of hell will not be able to stop my resurrection. And so when I resurrect, the church will be built. Because it is in the resurrection of Jesus you become the church. It is in the resurrection of Jesus that the church is what? Is built. So they understood here that Jesus was dealing with what? Was dealing with the factors of resurrection. The word prevail against means to be superior in strength or to overcome. So he meant that the power of death would not prevent nor be superior or hinder Jesus from coming out of the realm of death. I'll put this to you right now. It wasn't the cross that was the finality of the Christianity. It was his resurrection. Because there were thieves that were hung on the cross. So if Jesus had not resurrected, we would not be Christians. Because what gives birth to the new creature is the resurrection of Jesus. Not the fact that he hung on the cross. Now, hanging on the cross, going to the cross, hanging on the cross was all part of building. But if Jesus had not resurrected, there would be no Christian faith. So, the church is built on the resurrection of Jesus. And how do we know that? Because by his resurrection, he conquered the one who had the power of death. Now, Paul refers in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 56 that the power of death is the sting of sin. So by resurrection, Jesus conquered sin. Therefore, the church can have dominion over sin because by resurrection, we can now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you following this? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let me show you something there. Ephesians chapter 2. Talking about the church. 
So, if you have this understanding, <laughs> you would value the church. You know why you value the church? You will know that actually, the birthing of the church caused the death, burial, and resurrection of the only Son of God. You will begin to hold the church in high esteem. You will no longer fight against the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You will no longer try to control the church. It's not your church. He says, I will build my church. You will consider yourself a privileged member to be called to teach. You will not even look down on the people you teach. You know, somehow, that's how we carry ourselves as pastors. That if not for us, God will not be alive. And because, I mean, you ordain someone as a pastor, you can't talk to him anymore. He's no longer human. More spiritual than the angels. I'll tell you this, right? If you lead that way, when you fail, great will be your fall. Be human. You are a man of God, not God of God. Okay, some of you didn't get that. I said you are a man of God, not God of God. A man of God means you are a man. Okay, yeah, so you didn't get it on time. <laughs> now you're understanding it. Alright, so let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16. Let's see here somewhere here. Ephesians 2.16 Talking about Jesus on the cross Verse 16 quickly And might reconcile them Both in one body to God Through the cross So the cross was the method of reconciliation By, by it having put to death the enmity And he came and preached peace to you who were far away And peace to those who were near Who were those far away? The Gentiles Who were those who were near? The Jews Because the Jews already had the law for through him, we both, Jews and Gentiles, have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. We'll talk about that later. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself, being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. How were you built into a dwelling of God in the spirit? The resurrection of Jesus. Go to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. We're looking at, the, we're looking at the church. So we're looking at the, how did the church come to be? Hebrews 2, 14 and uh, to verse 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Now, when he says he himself also likewise partook of the same, remember what he said, who is the son of man? Who do you say the son of man? That's how he partook of the flesh, okay? That through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were what? Were subject to slavery all their lives. Which, which slavery was he talking about now? That slave to the law. Slave to sin nature. And so when Jesus resurrected, he gave birth to a people who could dominate sin. He gave birth to a people who could walk in resurrection power. Are you following this now? Now in Hebrews chapter 12, follow me now. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. Thank you, Lord. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, and to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriads of angels, 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Now, why would he call it the church of the firstborn? Because Jesus was the first to resurrect from the dead. He is the firstborn among many brethren. We, we have to understand this. That by Jesus birthing the church, we became his brothers. That's deep. Let me show you something. Come back to Hebrews 2.11. <laughs> You know, Hebrews 2.11. Look at this statement. For both he who sanctifies, who is he who sanctifies? Jesus. And those who are sanctified. Who is he talking about there? Me. Are all from one father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You, you need to go and meditate on this scripture. That Jesus is not ashamed to say, Brother Jerry. You know, people, I mean, I, I don't have anything against that. But you know, sometimes people describe their call to ministry in a very spectacular way that you feel you are not called. <laughs> so, you know, praise the Lord. I was in my room and the angel walked in and the bed began to shake. The bed began to shake. And I said, Lord, why are you shaking my bed? And the Lord said to me, Jerry, my son. And I looked at the time. It was 2.14 a.m. Thursday 5th. And the Lord said, and the Lord, and you know, somebody asked me, how are you called into the ministry? I just know. Yeah, how do you really, I just know. Did you see an angel? No. Did Jesus appear to you? No. So what did you see? I just know. It's been 13 years, but I still know. Because for us, faith is in the written word. And there's this whole thing in the body of Christ right now about the exaltation of angels. You need to stop that. The Bible clearly tells us that we are above angels. They are sent to minister to us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That you, we, we need to be careful so we don't get into the worship of angels. You need to be careful about that. They are not more powerful than you. You are the heir of salvation. Do you know what that means? The scripture says, even the things we are seen today, the angels desire to look into it. Because we are, we are always mesmerized by something that is mystical. You know, I mean, you saw how we got the sick healed here now. You saw the pains left. You know, there was no show about it. There was no, you know, but it doesn't look powerful. Until people fall down, women scatter. When they now say, hold that, hold that. Then, you know, speakers are scattered. Everybody's running. The whole church is a man. That meeting was powerful. We broke ten chairs. <laughs> that meeting was powerful. See, even the speaker. You <laughs> see, everywhere was. No, no. The power of God moves that way. But it doesn't have to be spectacular to be supernatural. It's supernatural when God is involved. Whether it is spectacular or not. And there are some people that in their bids to get the spectacular walk out of God's purpose for their life. Are you following this now? Come on, are you still here? So Hebrews 2.11 For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them what? Brethren. Now, look at what he says. This is interesting. Saying... 
I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Now, when you read that in Psalm 22, verse 22, you would think that he's talking about you sharing testimonies in the midst of your brethren. But he's talking about Jesus proclaiming his name amongst us. So you see, when you read the Psalms, it was referring to Jesus. So, so in Hebrews here, yeah, it was quoted in the Psalms. Okay? So he quotes the Psalm. Now, let's go. Let's, I, I want to see where we can get it. Let's go to Colossians 1.18. I, I just want to... Uh, thank you, Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Are you still here? Come and say amen if you're here. Alright, thank you. Colossians chapter 1. I'll tell you something, right? I'll tell you something. If you, if you listen to these teachings... If you have any need, okay, because I know sometimes when you sit in meetings like this, you're like, yeah, but I came with a problem, I need to pay my rent, my child, just relax. Okay? You go home today, things will be sorted. Just learn this. Alright? Just learn this. You know, I might not say, it's, your door will be open. I, I might not say that, but you, you just walk into these things. Okay? Just believe me. Trust me. Okay? Trust me. Just throw all those things away. How your rent will be paid and all. Just keep it. Just learn. Okay? <laughs> the master will take care of the student. Just learn. Okay? Alright. Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, Colossians 1.18. Now, look at this. He is also the head of the body. Okay? He is the head of the body. The church. So, Jesus is the head of the church. And he is the beginning. So we understand that the beginning of the church, and why am I going through all these pains to lay this foundation? It would change our mind how we treat the church. You know, I said something, if you follow me on social media, I said something a few, few uh, hours ago. I said, maybe yesterday, I said, how can a church be in a building and another church goes to offer a higher rent so that that church is kicked off? You know why they can do that? They don't understand these things. It's almost like we are fighting ourselves. Why? My bro said it. When the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. So, the money that God has given to you to further his kingdom is to use to show another church that you are a big boy. I don't know where we got big boys from in the kingdom. The scripture says it should not be so among you. That the greatest among you must be the servant of all. No, we don't like that. Because what we do in Christianity today is that we use God to further our means. That's why we need to talk about the kingdom on Sunday. And I pray you come early. We need to talk about the kingdom. Because actually, God has an agenda. God has a plan. God has a purpose. He has something He wants to achieve. And you hear what I'm saying? You know, all these things we cry about are product of the fall. We must understand, before man fell, Adam's highest prayer point was not a car. Because in the realm of glory, God can transport you without a car. He did it to Philip. So when, when man fell, his brain really hit the ground. You know, there's a way you can fall, right? Medical people. You know that I'm saying. There's a way you can fall. Hmm? There's a way a child can fall. I'm not a medical person, but I just think it's true. There's a way a child can fall. Hmm? And the head hits the ground. When the child is 24, he's still asking for toys. You know that, right? You, you know that. You know it's possible, right? Because the body is 24, but the brain is 6. That's how the body of Christ is developing. It says, come, let us go on to perfection. But people say, no. I need you. 
And God is saying, you know what? Actually, I led your forefathers in the wilderness for 40 years and their shoes grew with them. And their natural force was not abated. And I gave them gold and silver. Yet they did not enter the rest. Which means that gold and silver does not make a man enter rest. But what, what sits in the church today, the principality governing the church, is gold and silver. It's very simple. Let's all go to a pastor's conference. Let me talk to pastors. Let's all go to a pastor's conference. You enter a bike there. And let Jerry come with his BMW 7 series. Tinted rim glasses. Even if he has no knowledge of scripture, they say, wait, 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 we're getting a seat for you. They didn't see his understanding. They don't know his anointing. They don't know what they saw is the car. And he said, you saw what? If this man, if he's not called, he can't have this car. And you know the funny thing? A Muslim who is not born again will have three of those cars. Am I against prosperity? Absolutely no. We cannot do these things without prosperity. But the scripture gives us a mandate that something should be sought. And he calls it, seek the kingdom. If he says, seek the kingdom, it means that it has to be sought. You following this now? Alright. So where are we? Colossians 1.18. Thank you. So he says, the firstborn from the dead. So observe that. The firstborn from the dead. So he was the first person who was able to come out of the dead. That is why the Jews fought the resurrection. They actually bribed people and said, you know what? Don't say he resurrected. Say they stole his body. Because if, if it is proven that this Jesus resurrected, then he has actually qualified to be the Messiah. And they have a problem with that. So that's why that thing was contested. Because you ask yourself, what does the resurrection of any man have to do with you who is in government? No. It's not about the fact that the man got up. It was the fact that his resurrection is the final confirmation that this is the Messiah. And that was what they fought. That was what they fought. And Jesus said, he's the firstborn from among the dead. Let's go, let's go there. He says, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Praise God. And if you read there, he starts talking about you. Every time the Bible talks about the resurrection of Jesus, and talks about all Jesus has done, then he starts describing you. He will start talking about you. Because you know what? Every time he talks about what Christ has done, he wants you to see that what Christ has done is because of you, and you are in him. And what he has done, he has done so you can be who you truly should be in him. So if you read down, we don't have all the time, but if you read down, he starts talking about you. He starts talking about the grace of God. He starts talking about the message of redemption. Because we must see our Christianity in light of the cross. Praise God. It must be seen in light of the cross. So, uh, let me see here. Let, let me go quickly because of time. Let me just rush through this. So there's the universal church. First Corinthians chapter 10. Let me talk about the universal church. I'll just touch a few points here. There are a lot of scriptures, but I, I hope we, we, we just get this. Right? First Corinthians chapter 10. So we talked about how the church was established. So we know that by the resurrection of Jesus, the church was bettered. First Corinthians chapter 10. Let me say this here a little bit. Jesus said this, right? He says, I'll go and I'll send another comforter. The word another comforter there is Alos Paracletos. Now, it's very important. Alos Paracletos is not another kind. 
is another of the same kind. So what he actually was trying to say is this, right? If I take, this is basic science. I'm not a science student. So if I get it wrong, it's fine. I'm forgiven in advance. Thank you. H2O is water, right? That's basic. Okay. If it's block, it's H2O, right? But it is block, right? Solid state. Thank you. Then if it's water, then it's liquid state. But it is H2O. It's not any other thing. I don't even know any other thing, but it's H2O. And then there's gaseous state, right? But it's still H2O. So God revealed himself to Israel as Yahweh the Father, block form. So they could touch him, right? The ark and all of that. They didn't get that revelation. So he moves and comes as Jesus the Son, liquid state, so he could flow a bit around. They didn't still get that. So he says, you know what? The one thing I can do right now is to get into the next form, which is air. Right? I'm using it as an example. Don't go and write that I said God is blocked. Jesus is, you know, because people write all kinds of stuff now. Alright? Now, what now happens is that when he gets into the gaseous state, the form changes, but the content is TH2O. So what he said is, I'm, you're with me now, but if, 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 if there's only Jesus in Palestine, we will all try to go there. Like some people are going there now to go and bring things to sell. You know, people always like to make money. So they go to Jerusalem, and then they say they have seen a, a, a mustard seed. They saw where Jesus... To you, you are going to a holy ground. To them, they are making money. Let me just stop there. Now, <laughs> you, 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 and he says, all of us may need to go there. All of us might want to touch Jesus. All of us might want Jesus to come and, I mean, come on. If they tell you Jesus is in Jerusalem, will you give, bring me as a guest speaker? There's something wrong with you. Even me, I will not want to be a guest speaker. I will want Jesus to come and preach in my church. So Jesus said, I know what I'm going to do. I will go and come in a form that I can fill everybody. So he says, I will send another but of the same kind in another format. So he says, you go to Jerusalem, and, and this connects to the kingdom tomorrow. You go to on Sunday, the, you go to Jerusalem, and then what is going to happen? The Holy Ghost will come upon you. And what you were able to do while I was with you, you will now be able to do because he will now be in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you know, some people say, Oh, if I was around, when Jesus was around, I would be a serious Christian liar. Jesus was with him when he prized him. You know, Judas made the Jews like, I have original Jesus. Do you want to buy? He said, Man, this is not China, Jesus. It's the original one. So I say, Okay, I'll bring, I'll bring his flesh for you to touch. I mean, you know, in my mind, I thought, Why was, why was Judas prizing Jesus? Money. Money. Let's talk about the universal church. First Corinthians ten thirty two. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. So he uses the word the church of God, the universal church. Now go to Acts twenty 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 eight. Acts twenty twenty eight. I need to run this quickly because I need to finish this. Acts 20, 28. Look at what it says. And now, I commend you to God. No, no, 28. Be on guard for yourselves 
and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Observe that word. He says, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So you must remember, he says, I will build my church. So it's the Holy Spirit that makes a man an overseer. That is why, listen to me, you cannot ordain a man that God has not called. A man can only affirm the... See, no man can call you to the ministry. God only is the one who calls you and a man affirms it. Like, we agree that this man has been set apart. Because it's the Holy Spirit that has to make you an overseer. Because it's his church. You are the company. I cannot, no matter how close I am to you, I cannot employ somebody in that company. I can recommend... And you do what? You employ. Or you can employ and then your manager will do what? Rectify. So you can say, hey, uh, manager, please get this person as head of operation. Now, because you have done that, this man can put the man as head of operations, take pictures, do whatever he wants to do. But if this man goes and put a man as head of operations, he's on his own. That's why you must be careful when planting branches. Because sometimes our inordinate ambition to spread all over the world can make us put men whom the Lord has not called and those men become the problem to what we are building because we set men in place who have not been called by God. Because when God calls a man, He knows where to hold him and how to restrain him. But when you call a man, you would have to support him and do what you need to do. Praise God. Be on guard for ourselves. And for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God. So you see, the, the church of God that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 10, 32. He clarifies his words here and says, The church of God which he purchased with his own blood. What was the process of his purchasing the church of God with his blood? Redemption. Now, I, I don't have the time to go there. But redemption is a very legal issue. See, Jesus had to fulfill all the requirements of the law so Satan will have no accusation. So it was a buyback. That's why he uses the word purchase. He actually said, what is the price to get these people from the dominion of sin? And paid the price and satisfied the claims of justice. And he had to take his blood and present it to God and say, listen, all the claims that are required to make these people new men in Christ have been satisfied in Christ. Redemption is not that Jesus just went to the cross. You know, maybe they were just tired in heaven. Saying, well, go to the cross and hang. And just, no, that's not it. It's not, a, it's not an afterthought. The claims, of, the claims of redemption were satisfied. That's why in the book of John chapter 1, if you read from verse 11, it says, as many as believe, he gave the power. Now, that word power is not dunamis, it's exousia. It means that he actually gave them the legal rights to become the son of God. That is actually, you are Jerry Panau God. God is your son name. And some of you are like, yeah, no, no, just be careful. No, 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 no. we don't have to be careful. God is our Father. He says, when you pray. He didn't say, say miracle worker. You know, <laughs> I don't even want to go there. You know, but we're like that. We like all the big names. Bulldozer. The one who comes without siren. The one who fetches water in a basket and the water does not leak. You know, we like those African mystical. The one who blows whistle and all the dogs will gather. You know, it looks big. You know, Jesus says, pray, Father. Imagine you go home today, Right? <laughs> Imagine you go home today, huh? and your daughter comes. I say, 
Pastor Jerry, your daughter, founder of Disciple Nations Church, husband to my mother, <laughs> CEO of World Korea. You like, yeah, come on, come on. You know what? That's what he called me in church. That's what he called me everywhere. The sweetest name you can ever hear from the mouth of your children is daddy. I mean, that, that name will break you. you know, are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't know how many of you have kids, but the first time your child said dada, you were like, well, say it again. Say that name. What? No, are you hearing what I'm saying? People call you CEO, Papa, Prophet. No, but you just want to hear Daddy. You want to hear, and that's why the scripture says he has put forth his spirit upon us that we might cry, Abba, Father. What that actually means is we can cry, Daddy. Daddy, that's what Jesus did so we can have access to our Father. People out there can call him creator, bulldozer, truckloader, waymaker, but we call him Father. Glory to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it cost him his blood for us to be able to call him Father. It cost him his blood. So his Bible says the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus. So when you are a member of the church, you know that you are a member of a purchased property. It will, it will, it will, you will begin to handle the church with care. Let me, let me go quickly because of my time. Let's go to, well I'm going to read, I'm going to give you the scriptures. I will not read them because I want to finish this. Ephesians 2.19, the church is called the household of God. Ephesians 2.15, it's called one new man. Ephesians verse 16, it's called one body. Ephesians 18, 2.18, it's called one spirit. So the household of God is one new man, is one body, is one spirit. Now, pay attention here now, as we begin to bring this. It's, that's the universal church. So let me explain something to you. Everybody who is born again belongs to the universal church. It's, that is clear. Because your redemption already qualifies you to be a member of the church. So there's a universal church. Now, when you now come here, let's, let's say something here now. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, so I'll just give you the scriptures please, so that we can finish this. Galatians 6 10 is called a family of faith or the household of faith. They are all referring to what? The universal church. So we've looked at how the church was birthed. We've looked at the process of being the church. Now we're looking at the universal church, right? Now, the universal church must have a local expression. Because people now say, I don't want to go to that church. I'm doing church in my house. No, no, you can't. You can't. <laughs> because the scripture gives us how the church should operate. So let's look at something here. Very interesting. Acts chapter 9, verse 5 to 6. Acts 9, 5 to 6. Thank you, Lord. Are you still here? Say amen if you are. Are you learning something tonight? Okay, I hope I'm not too fast. Alright, praise God. Acts chapter 9. Remember this story, right? Paul persecuting the church. Now, Paul was persecuting the local church. Persecuting a group of people. But see how Jesus responds. Remember what we read in Hebrews. It says, He that sanctified 
And those that are sanctified, they are the same. So he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Which means that he is not ashamed to be identified with them. Now, understand that. Have that at the back of your mind. Read the scripture now. Acts chapter 9 verse 5. And, 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 and he said, Lord, who, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Okay, verse 4. And he fell to the ground when the light came and, and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Do you understand something? Jesus did not say, why are you persecuting the church? He did not say, why are you persecuting my church? He said, why are you persecuting me? Why? Because by his death and his resurrection, the church and himself is the head of the church now, and the church is his body. You cannot separate the head and the body. And sometimes the messages we teach people separate the head and the body. If people have an understanding of this, false prophets will not thrive. Because I'll tell you this, bold and clear, you don't need any man to see God. You don't need any man to talk to God. There's no one who is the mediator between you and God, but the man Jesus. So what are pastors to do? We are to equip and help the local church point people to Jesus. See, whether they honor us or dishonor us, at the end of the day, we stay faithful in our assignment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at this, what he says. He now says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm the one you are persecuting. So that means the universal church has a local expression. Because as they were touching the saints physically, Jesus was feeling that. You know why this understanding is important? You know that whatever you do to the church of Jesus, you are actually doing to Christ. If you serve in this church, you are not serving Pastor Jerry. You are serving Jesus. If you hurt the church, you are hurting Jesus. If you, are you hearing what I'm saying? We, we have to have this understanding. If we have this understanding, we will not beg people. Because people have the concept that, okay, I'm a disciple nation's child. And after all, if I live here, himself and the wife and the children, we take everything. You know, it's almost, no, no, no. This is not disciple nation's church limited. It is the church of Jesus with a local expression. Are you hearing this now? Now, let's look at this quickly. So, I'm just going to read all the scriptures, okay, because it's a lot. But if you go to 1 Corinthians 1 2, it says to the church, can you just put it up for us? Let's, 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 let's use, use your, your expertise now. 1 Corinthians 1 2. It says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth. Pay attention to that. So, so he, he calls the universal church and gives it a local expression. Remember what we read, right? The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Acts. Then he now says, to the church of God, which is at. So in that expression, Paul brings the local, uh, sorry, Paul brings the, the universal church to a locality. That's to say that a, a, uh, an individual cannot be a member of the universal church without being in a local setting. Because when God is looking at the church, he looks at it from that point of a local expression. So he says to the church of God, which is at Corinth. So this is a specific expression. So it is not just a mystical body. It's a body that has what? A tangible, local expression. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
and verse 1. Okay? So look at what it says. It says, Paul, what's it? An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at what? Corinth. Quit with all the saints who are throughout Asia. So, he tells us, the church of God at Corinth. He now tells us who makes up the church of God in Corinth. The saints. Including the saints who are scattered. So that means the universal church has a local expression which is a place. And that place is made up of the saints. Who are the saints? The new creatures in Christ Jesus. Galatians 1.2 It talks about the churches in Galatia. Galatians 1.22 It talks about the churches of Judea. Then in Romans chapter 16, verse 3 to 5, it talks about the church in the house of Priscilla. In Romans 16, 1, it talks about the church in Crencia. In Philemon 1, 1 to 2, it talks about the churches in the home of Archippus. Now, when you go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, thank you, Lord. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4. Are you learning something tonight? Say amen if you are. Alright. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4. But like, are you following this? Okay. John told the seven churches that are in Asia grace and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So, when God was giving the letters to the churches, he gave it to the seven churches in Asia. So, he again localizes it, gives it a region. Then, in Revelation 2, verse 1, it says, To the angel. Of the church in Ephesus. Now, the word angel there is angelos. It, it doesn't say that there's an angel that is following the church. The word angelos means messenger. Paul says, when you received us, you received us not as an angel. The word just means messenger. So it's actually saying to the messenger of the church in Ephesus. Actually, it was saying to the pastor of the church in Ephesus. So the pastor of the local church is the angel of the church. Because the word is angelos, the messenger. Okay, so he writes to the leader of the local churches. That means God recognizes that the universal church has a local expression and God recognizes the authority over the local expression. So he didn't write to the members. He wrote to the leaders. Let's talk about that. Okay, now, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Let's establish something here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And verse 17. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Corinthians eleven seventeen. Thank you, Lord. He says, But in giving this instruction, Paul was speaking, but in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. There is talking about those who come to eat communion and all of stuff. Now, come together. It means that the local church has to come together. There has to be a gathering. So you cannot just be the church of Corinth in your house. It has to gather together. Go to uh, verse 20. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty. Therefore, when you meet together, it is, not, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Okay? For you're eating, each one takes his own supper first. One is hungry, another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? So he says, listen, when you come together, Eh? We have communion. 
And I said, ah, before Pastor even that guy goes to the community, but I just is eating, is eating, is eating. He says, okay, say no, it's not okay. He says, no, it's okay. He says, it's not okay. And the man eats, and then somebody who doesn't have. He says, you are despising the church of God. That means the church of God has to meet together. I want to say emphasize that because we are, we are almost going to a place where people do not value meeting together. See, listen, the church of Jesus has an apostolic instruction that we have to meet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, 23. I'm showing you a lot of scriptures so you can go back home and study. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together, so we must understand something, that the church has to gather. It's an apostolic instruction. Now, go to um, um, Hebrews 10, 24. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Look at this. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. And forsaking, not forsaking our own assembling together as is in the habit of some. So, the, 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 the habit of not gathering is not the habit of the church. That means the church has to gather. <laughs> it says, don't forsake it. Don't, I know you're a member of the Universal Church. I know you're born again. But don't forsake assembling together. So we have, we have emphasized how the church was birthed. We have looked at the Universal Church, which is the body of Christ. It's one body. So whether you are in Australia, whether you are in Kenya, we are brothers and sisters. But that, that um, Universal Church needs to have a local expression. That local expression needs to meet together. So this is not just WhatsApp and Telegram. We have to meet together. Are you hearing this? I'll tell you this, right? There's no how you do meetings in technology and you do meetings it's different. You know that. Even you, you seek you seek human interaction. There is something about gathering together. Okay, let's go now. Now, the local church has a God-ordained elder. Say so I can wrap up now. The local church has a God-ordained elder. Now, he writes to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Now, he could have written to the members, but he writes to the elder. Why is God doing that? Because God understands that for the equipping of the church, there is Ephesians 4.11, which is the fivefold ministers, that he has given the grace to lead and equip the church. Because we also have a system where people say, well, I'm the church. I don't recognize any authority. No, that's disorder. Are you hearing this now? Now, let's look at this. Uh, he, he said to the angel of the seven churches, Galatians 4.14. Let me show you something here. Galatians 4.14. Thank you, Lord. Ah, bless your name, Jesus. Galatians chapter 4, verse 14. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Do you see what Paul refers to himself there? He says, you received me as an angel of God. So this corroborates the fact that when he was talking about the seven churches, when he says the angel of the church in Ephesus, he can be referring to a man. Because Paul refers to himself that you received me as an angel of God. Okay? Now, 
The same word uh, angel or angelos is used in, in Luke 7.24. But if you go to all the seven churches, Revelation 2.1, 2.18, 2.12, um, 3.1, 3.7, 3.14, the seven churches all had different leaders. The ch- seven churches all had different leaders. And I, 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 I want to say something here. We must be careful. We must be careful where people rise and proclaim themselves as fathers over all the churches in a nation and despise the local authority of those churches that are better. Let me tell you the truth. There is no one man, we don't have a precedent in scriptures that God has set and said this is the father of a nation. We of our own accord, the scripture says, know those that labor among you. We on of our, of, of our own accord understand the labors of men and give them the honor that is due them. But their call is to their local church. Your call is to your local church. The jurisdiction of the eldership is to the ship God has given to you. We must be careful about this. Because if you are accounting for the churches in the city, that means you have to account for the ship in Disciple Nations Church. And God will not ask you the ship of Disciple Nations Church. He would ask you. So you must be careful not to be intimidated by the declaration of a father at the expense of your assignment to your local church. Because when God sends a message to this local church, He looks at you. He doesn't care who has one million members. They are not your members. We need to be careful of that. Because as young ministers, we can get to a place where we are intimidated and we despise the ship that God is giving to us because we feel like there is a... You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Acts 14, 21. This is important. Because this is why I'm saying this is important. Right? You can be looking for what is not lost. Looking for relevance in a man. When God has given you a ship to look over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you despise those ship. Trying to find endorsement in a man. When God, the Holy Spirit. Has by his ordination. Made you an overseer. Over the local congregation. And God will be asking what else do you want? Because we have developed a system. We've developed a system that sometimes when men do not give us endorsement, they stand against the work of God. It's because they don't have an understanding of the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is not going to ask any big man of God, the people he has given to you. He would ask you. So you also must not despise the people looking for a big man. Because God will not ask you about that big man. He said, we shall give account of our own works. I always carry that sense into ministry. I always carry that sense. I always carry that sense. Listen, no matter what we do, God will ask me, what did you do with this assignment? Are you following this? Let's do two more scriptures. Um, Acts 14.21 And then we can close it. Acts 14.21 Are you, are you still here? Yes. Alright. Acts 14, 21. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Inconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. They preached the gospel, they made disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Look at that. 
they preached the gospel, they made many disciples, they strengthened the souls of disciples. Now look at them. When they had appointed elders for them in every church. Look at that face. So what happened? Hmm? They preached. They discipled. What was the next phase? They appointed elders for them in every church. Having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So that means that a local church is not complete without eldership. So you cannot just preach and leave people and say, well, we are the roaming body of Christ. No, don't roam. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Leaders were put. It's apostolic not to leave a local church without eldership. Now, you must understand why they use the word elders because at that stage, not everybody had started. The, the fivefold ministry hasn't been fully developed. So, what they did was to get plurality of elders so they can be check and balances, you know, over the leadership. So, if you go to um, Titus chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said, I left Titus in Crete. Let's, can you just put that up for me, guy? For this reason, I, uh, I left you in Crete that you will do what? Set in order what remains and appoint elders for every city as I directed you. So every city church had an elder. Are, are you following this now? So it's important. So if we look carefully at scriptures, we cannot call it a local church if there is no leadership. There has to be a God-appointed leadership. Are you following this now? Alright, so. Summary. Number one, from the blood of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, the church was bettered. And when he came out of resurrection, we know that the gates of hell could not prevent against the building of the church. And there is the universal church, and the Holy Spirit has said overseers over that church. And that universal church must have a local expression. Did you get something tonight? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the grace that shall be bestowed upon us. Lord, we pray for the church and the body of Christ globally. Pray for the church, churches in Ghana and churches in Africa and all the nations of the earth. And I'm asking, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that by your strength and by your mercy, you will cause your grace to go forth. And Lord, I decree and declare that those you have raised up to lead the local church, thank you, Father would have the courage and the strength to do that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Alright, uh, I came with a few books. There, 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 there's a Dear Timothy series for pastors, Overcoming Discouragement in Ministry, Out of Concentration in Ministry. Children, bring that quickly. Just gonna, thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. <laughs> Okay, there's the Berean Believer, teaches you how to study God's Word. Principles for teenagers, the lepers who became leaders, cultivating the art of faithfulness in ministry, the art of concentration in ministry. Three things Jesus said we should do, preaching, teaching, and healing. Okay? Sometimes you, you need grace to concentrate. Wisdom principles for church workers and volunteers. Overcoming discouragement in ministry. I just wrote this. Love, lust, and lies. Yeah, prosperity and, and increase the missing link. I taught this in church. Four things believers miss a lot. Thank you, thank you, ma'am. Four things believers miss a lot. Hard work. Mm? We just think favor. We like the Joseph story. Slept 
a prime minister slept a prisoner woke up a prime minister since then how many people have slept as prisoners and woke up as prime ministers alright success principles are reproducible they are universal so I talked about four things believers miss a lot in this book skills most believers are not skillful do poor jobs okay relationships that's how God prospers you hard work alright and frugality you can't be wasting and expect God to, to make you prosper. So this just deals, brings a bit of balance to the prosperity gospel. And I got my flash here. It's had about 150 messages in this flash drive. All the messages from 2020, 2021. This memory card has all the messages from 2019, 2018. Uh, I compiled 10 of the best messages I've taught for pastors. MP3 pack. So... Take advantage of whatever works for you here. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Jerry, for having me. I'll see you all tomorrow night. God bless you. On Sunday night, we'll teach on the kingdom and then we'll minister to the sick, okay? And then we'll have the move of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Thank you. I appreciate Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. A teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng.